Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori and this week our podcast is focusing on the spike of the energy prices, the Commission's monitoring of the evolution of the electricity prices and its attempt to come up with long-term fixes like investments in energy savings and renewables as the main answer at European level. We are also talking about the situation on the Polish and Belarusian borders where migrants and refugees have been trapped. Five people have lost their lives and the EU is accusing Belarus of orchestrating the influx of migrants in retaliation against the EU sanctions. Now, to break down the components of the Commission's plans to combat the spike on the energy prices, I am joined today by your active senior editor on energy and environment, Frederick Simon. Fred, thank you for joining me today. It looks like Europe is now facing another crisis and this time is on energy. Why is this happening and how did we get to this new situation? So essentially, uh, the crisis we're seeing now is due to the global um, uh, energy market uh, dynamics. Uh, the global economy is picking up again after uh, last year and the, uh, the slump, um, recession even caused by the COVID crisis. So uh, businesses are now back uh, in, in business and so demand for energy is now higher than last year. So uh, it's essentially good news. Um, at the center of, of that um, crisis uh, in energy are gas prices, uh, which have quadrupled in just uh, six months uh, this year. So we're talking really about a, a huge increase. And uh, European countries, uh, like in the rest of the world, they did not build any gas reserves or they didn't build uh, sufficient uh, gas reserves when prices were low during the COVID crisis, when, when the um, uh, when demand was really low. So now with the winter coming, well, all these countries are str they're struggling to replenish their reserves. And so everybody is fighting over the few amounts of gas uh, which is available on the market. And the suppliers aren't at the moment uh, in a position to uh, increase their supply. So at the same time, we're having uh, we're seeing a rise in CO2 prices on the EU carbon market, which is fueled uh, in part by the rise uh, in gas uh, prices. And all of that is also pushing up electricity prices because some countries use gas uh, to produce electricity. And what does this entail in practice for the consumers? Just to give a better understanding to our listeners, uh, will they have to pay extra for electricity and energy in general? For consumers, that means higher prices for gas and for electricity. In France, for example, the government announced um, only a few days ago that the, uh, the regulated uh, price for gas uh, will go up by more than 12% as of uh, October this year. So this is a huge increase indeed, uh, and especially for the poorest uh, households, uh, which will find uh, it, of course, more uh, difficult Uh, to uh, disperse the extra money. And so uh, what, what governments fear now, of course, is uh, some social unrest and, and maybe a repeat of what we saw uh, with the Gilets jaunes protests uh, that erupted in France in 2018. Uh, there's no such um, uh, social crisis happening for now, but this is really the, uh, the, the big fear that most governments have at the moment. 
and of course you explain the problem. And now the next step is thinking in terms of solutions. Um, what is the Commission's reaction to this new situation that is confronted with? Um, the EU's Energy Commissioner, Kedri Simpson, uh, was attending a, a meeting of energy ministers of the 27 uh, last week. Uh, and so uh, she was asked uh, there to put together um, uh, a toolbox that EU countries uh, would be able to draw from in their response to the, to the energy uh, price crisis. So there are some solutions which are immediately available uh, to governments. They can choose to um, act on taxes, for example, lowering uh, the VAT or excise duty uh, on electricity. Uh, and they can also uh, choose to provide uh, to provide a direct financial support for low-income households and small businesses, which are the most impacted uh, by the rise in energy prices. In France, for instance, uh, the government decided last week uh, or two weeks ago to make uh, an additional payment of 100 euros to, uh, to low-income households uh, in France, which are already considered among the energy poor. So this is to uh, help them go through the winter, pay the, their gas bills or their electricity bills, uh, and also to pay for um, uh, energy efficiency um, renovation work that they may want to do. Um, and in Spain, um, the government there decided uh, to, to lower or, um, or to abolish various taxes on electricity. Uh, so these have been suspended temporarily. Uh, but in the longer term, uh, the solution uh, is essentially uh, twofold. It's to increase the generation, uh, the, the share of renewables like wind and solar in the energy mix, and also to increase investments in energy efficiency, uh, like building renovation and insulation. And many EU countries don't really have the infrastructure or the means to alternative energy production. And to build that infrastructure, it will take a while. And this solution sounds more like a future plan. And so this is another reason for the uh, for the crisis. And yes, indeed, uh, when it comes to uh, building up new infrastructure uh, like offshore wind or onshore wind or uh, or large scale uh, solar plants, well, this is something that takes um, years to uh, to plan for, and it's not something that can reasonably expected uh, to uh, to come in in the short term in the coming months. And what about the EU member states? Are they waiting for the Commission to come up with a solution or are they already acting on the matter? What they're trying to avoid is an uncoordinated approach from the different member states. So this is why countries like Spain have called for a menu of options to, to be made available um, uh, at EU level. And so there are some ideas like uh, which have been put on the table, like uh, measures to limit speculation, for example, on the EU's carbon market. There's been a lot of speculation going on uh, since a year or so, and so uh, some countries are asking for limits to be placed on that. Uh, other countries, uh, again Spain, but also Poland, have suggested that maybe some kind of upper limit could be placed on the, uh, the price of carbon. Uh, other ideas include uh, something uh, also that came from Spain, the establishment of some sort of centralized European platform to buy gas uh, and, and start building up strategic reserves uh, across the EU. There are also examples of what not to do. Uh, and that also came from, from Spain, which 
recently introduced a special tax on the um, what they consider to be windfall profits made by electricity firms, because with rising prices of electricity, well, power companies are making a, a lot of extra profits. Uh, and so Spain has decided to put a tax on that, a temporary tax, which is expected to bring uh, um, more than 2 billion euros of revenue to the Spanish government. Um, but that tax has been described um, as legal uh, by electricity companies. Basically, they're saying this is having a chilling effect on investments uh, at a time when the energy companies are being encouraged to invest uh, precisely into renewables, uh, which is the long-term solution to the crisis. Well, if you take the, this money away from them, well, they, they can't do uh, those investments. So uh, those taxes are clearly uh, having the opposite effect of what is desirable uh, in the long run. So this is why also these countries have been asking for the European Union to come up with some solutions uh, so that they uh, so that governments do not implement policies that will uh, hinder the green transition in the long term. Well, thank you, Fred, for the very insightful overview. And please read the Green Brief to find out more on this topic. You can find your actives beyond the byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and agri-food brief podcast. We're moving to Warsaw to talk about the migrants and refugee influx on the EU borders with Belarus. To shed some light on this story, I spoke with Piotr Maciej Kaczynski from Euroactive Poland. Uh, Piotr, thank you for joining me today. It's actually the first time that I have uh, someone uh, from Euroactive Poland with me. Thanks for having me. Firstly, just explain the basis so we understand a bit better what is the situation in the Polish borders with Belarus and why are these people trapped there? So the people got trapped um, at the Polish-Belarusian border, which uh, probably for our listeners should be simply uh, described differently as an EU-Belarus border, because they are trapped not only here, they are also trapped in uh, Lithuania and, La- and Latvia. So all of the EU countries that, uh, uh, that have a border with Belarus are witnessing the same situation. This is clearly something orchestrated by the dictator in Minsk, Alexander Lukashenko, the leader uh, of the country that lost, probably lost uh, elections uh, in 2020 um, and is uh, now uh, retaliating to the West uh, with uh, with some measures uh, that are quite harsh. And uh, the worst uh, information is that he is forcing people, using people, and then they are paying the highest price of their lives. So what happens is that there are migrants in uh, Belarus who are coming from all around uh, so-called developing uh, world, uh, from Africa, Middle East, um, and uh, and Lukashenko is deliberately inviting them to come to Belarus, uh, telling them it's very close to Western Europe. Uh, you can no problem come uh, and cross the border. Um, there are even ads like this in some uh, uh, some countries and some cities in the south, something called Global South, and then they come. And they and they are uh, smuggled through the border. Uh, most of them successfully, but some of them are trapped. 
and the reaction started when the death of a 16-year-old Iraqi refugee was announced. According to the Polish media, the 16-year-old boy was trying to cross the borders with his family and the Polish guards were pushing the family back into the Belarusian territory. Until now, five people have lost their lives in the dead zone of the Polish and Belarusian borders. Now, there is severe criticism over how Poland is handling the situation. More specifically, Poland imposed a state of emergency on the border, with the international authorities and NGOs not being able to approach and help those people that are trapped there. What is the reaction from the Polish government? Well, the Polish government is responding, um, yes, but they are not on our territory. Uh, ask the other side, Belarus. But if you ask the Belarusian side, they will tell you the same story. Sorry, it's not. Ask, ask the Polish side. And nobody can access this territory, which is another um, development uh, installed about a month ago by the Polish authorities, uh, by creating this, um, uh, this zone of uh, emergency. And yet another criticism coming this time from the EU executive is that the situation has been created by an attempt to instrumentalize people for political purposes. How accurate is this and what's the current political situation in Poland? Yes, they, they are tools in the hands of politicians. So what happens is that uh, both the government in Minsk and the government in Warsaw is using these people um, and uh, for their political objectives, um, Lukashenko wants to use these people for um, uh, for advancing his kind of retaliation, showing Europe that look, I can destabilize um, your system, I can create another 2015 uh, here. And uh, and in Warsaw, the government saying, look, uh, uh, Lukashenko is trying to destabilize us. Uh, and these people are actually um, uh, very often criminals. Uh, or pedophiles, um, and uh, and this is a, a very clear attempt that uh, the Polish government is trying to uh, use its tactics, similar to 2015 political campaign, uh, which which was pretty much uh, de- uh, based on the fact of dehumanizing uh, migrants. Okay, so what is exactly done or or said in that regard? For example. Uh, there was there were stories of those uh, of the migrants who already crossed the Polish-German border uh, into into Germany and they were and they were arrested uh, in Germany. Uh, so so you have this um, this situation uh, spreading a little bit. Um, and what happens is that because you had so many of incidents, um, the uh, security uh, guards or the or the border guards. Um, they got uh, they got hold of a number of phones of uh, of migrants, and uh, they were able to scan it or open it, um, decode it, and they say they found uh, some uh, proofs uh, that they were criminals or pedophiles. Uh, the minister of interior at the press conference was showing a picture uh, where a, uh, a a guy had uh, intercourse with an animal. Um, uh, so zeo, uh, zoophilia. Sorry, but this was shown like in a in a press conference. Correct. It was, and the and the fun part, and the fun part is that uh, that it was a fake news. That uh, this uh, image that the that the minister was showing uh, is actually taken from somewhere on the internet. And finally, what is the EU expecting from Poland at this point, and what are they asking for? 
Well, the EU is definitely monitoring the situation. You know, it's a delicate uh, relation between Warsaw and uh, and Brussels on on a number of issues. And uh, the border situation is such that the Polish state is saying that we that the Polish um, uh, border guards are fully capable of defending and monitoring and making sure that everything is properly done um, and they do not require Frontex um, assistance. Uh, and uh, the Commission is not pushing that much into involvement of Frontex. Um, uh, that is uh, already the case in Lithuania, where Frontex is assisting um, the local uh, border guards, uh, but not here. So this is something that is um, definitely going to be uh, an issue of contention. Second is, of course, the deaths. I mean, we've had uh, at least five deaths uh, already, so this is this calls for uh, for much stronger intervention and asking why what happened. So uh, those questions are are already there. And uh, on Thursday, we have a commissioner, the commissioner uh, coming to Warsaw to meet with the interior minister to, to assess the situation on the ground a little bit better. Well, thank you, Piotr. And our time is up for this week. I am Avikiori, and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.